Welcome to the Amplify You podcast with your host, me, moi, Danielle, where I interview entrepreneurs from all different types of businesses and share their story and amplify them. I am so excited to share each and every one of them with you. And maybe you're going through an entrepreneurial journey and you might see yourself within them and that might help help elevate you. So I'm stoked. I hope you are. So stay tuned. This is going to be an incredible ride. Welcome, welcome back. I am so excited that you guys are here. And today I have an incredible human with me. We met on Clubhouse and I hate to say it, but I say it every time, but Clubhouse is the place to be to really meet kind of really influential people on all different uh, type of entrepreneurs and other businesses. And I have Allah here and Allah, I'm going to pass you the mic and do yeah. a little intro of yourself and we'll go from there. Right. So my name is Allah. Um, I am with Bando Investment Group and the Million Marathon Fund. Mm-hmm. I'm new to this role. Uh, before this, I was working in the agricultural industry as a financial manager, which is a whole can of worms we should not get into. Um, point is, I promoted beans to the outside of America. Everyone buy American beans. Everyone needs American <laughs> beans. Uh, as fun as that sounds, I needed to move on. But I, you know, I'm based in Washington D.C. And uh, I have my master's in financial economics and from American University. And yeah, I mean, today um, I'm running, not running a fund. Nelson would hate me if I said that, but I'm the financial and portfolio manager. Yeah. Nelson would be the fund manager and the CEO of this uh, private equity fund. So I am, you know, the numbers guy, as Nelson likes to say. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I would make recommendations and he would make the final decisions. I like to think I have large influence, but we'll see as time goes on. So, <laughs> well, I mean, I kind of want to get into first of all what I loved, like when I first heard you speak. I mean, you're you're the fact checker, right? Yeah. And you're you're the finance guy. But what I loved <laughs> to hear that I like as soon as you went Mike, was the value that you shared, and I think yeah. it really brought the like your field really was there when you were kind of sharing all this information. Yeah. And I kind of want to get into what made you pick this certain field, like out of everything else, what, <sighs> what, what, what was your favorite about it? What was like, I need to do this. This is going to be my business. Well, this is not a sexy answer, unfortunately, but you know, if you asked my middle school and high school self, I would have said I was a hundred percent without a doubt going to be a veterinarian and I'm going to save all the animals in the world. That was a hundred percent my job. Um, but then I, I got into marketing. And this was in the late, no, early 2000s in high school. I got into marketing and I won all these awards. And I ended up um, becoming this like, I don't know, marketing prodigy in terms of my high school teacher. I mean, I won awards and she got recognized for it. And I felt like I was on top of the world. So I thought marketing was going to be the way I go. Mm-hmm. This is a very roundabout way of getting to finance or economics. but. I graduated into the best times to graduate, which is the Great Recession. And surprise, surprise, no one wants to hire a marketer. (laughs) Um, So I got a job at PwC as as a government real estate consultant. So my job was to sit down with ministers or sheiks or whatever. We call them in Arabic sheikhs. (laughs) So, um, and I ended up working in finance. Um, So... I loved it. I've always loved numbers. Even when I was in high school, I was really good at math. Um, mm-hmm. 
That was the only thing I ever got A's in, even though I quit math as soon as I could. But somehow I practiced it on my own outside of school. So to be where I am today, I needed to be good at math. I needed to love numbers. Mm-hmm. So that had to be the primer. Um, but at, during my time at PwC, my job was to do feasibility analysis. And with that came financial modeling, forecasting, case studies, everything you would think of when it comes to future forward-looking uh, analysis. Mm-hmm. And a hundred percent of that was finance and economics. So, you know, I was this young, relatively young guy out of college working at a huge firm, feeling absolutely lost, but I loved my work, but I wanted something different. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, life took me to the U S I became a loan officer. I hated every second. Yeah, I know here. Okay. So I had to leave Dubai abrupt, uh, Dubai abruptly, uh, Dubai abruptly because of family. Mm-hmm. Um, my dad and used to take care of my brother. He couldn't anymore. So I had to be the one to do it. Um, and so I moved to the U S cause my dad wanted my brother to go to school and my dad made way more than I did. So his job was more important than mine, right. you know, typical <laughs> Arab stuff where, you know, where it's all about community. And mm-hmm. if I'm making money, he's making money, he's making more then I should quit my job. He shouldn't quit his mm-hmm. mathematically makes sense. So that's the abrupt change. Right. But I hated being a loan officer. Um, I had to sell people on interest rates for their mortgages. And I knew they couldn't afford that extra bit. And I wanted to just bring it down just to make their month to month more comfortable. And my boss was not having it. He he was like, you cannot do this. We are here to make money, not save people's financial situation. If if they qualify, they qualify. And I just Mm -hmm. felt awful. So I went to go get my master's. And I graduated into a pandemic. Oh, God. The so, stakes were on your side this whole time. It was on yeah, your side. Yeah. I mean, listen, I'm, I'm scared to get my PhD. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> because I alone dictate uh, when bad things happen in this country. <laughs> um, but, you know, on a, on the serious note, um, I'm now, you know, after I got a job kind of with a friend. Um, I did financial management for a called the U.S. Dry Bean Council. You can look it up. It's a real thing. Right. Our job was to promote American dry beans internationally. I worked there for about three, four years. At the same time, I'm consulting um, a research firm, like a financial research firm, and I kind of consult for them every so often. I teach their employees. who don't. None of them have their finance degrees, but I teach them how to read financial mm-hmm. statements. I teach them how to uh, you know, interpret results and put them into... Uh, kind of their own financial system. So getting it from press releases and SEC documents into the systems of their company. That was, that's, I do consulting on that. Mm-hmm. Now I'm here um, after my degree um, in financial economics throughout all that, even before, even when I was in marketing, I would spend a lot of time uh, looking at, you know, macro indicators and trends and, Digesting what an econ- like what economists publish, right. research reports on the impact of this on this, and how this correlation doesn't seem to be the causation, but we should consider this and this as the three whatever. Just Google Scholar for just because I hated myself. That's really the only conclusion <laughs> I have. When I say Google Scholar, I'm talking about the actual right. Google yeah, Scholar, yeah. not the. <laughs> derogatory term at people to say, oh, you're a Google. Google Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, Google University is the other one. Anyway. Yeah. 
So I'm here. I mean, it was my love for numbers that ended me here because without loving numbers, you don't, I mean, you could be, I don't know if I can say this and it to be true, but you could say anything. No, I mean, maybe you can be an economist and not love numbers. I just don't see it being possible. I've never seen, maybe you hate numbers, but are good at math that you can make that work. But economics and economic theory, financial theory, those things are more to me about understanding people. Mm -hmm. Um, But you need to translate what you understand into numbers. And another big thing is um, that people don't talk about is economists and, and financial people, I don't know what to call finance people. They don't have a fun word like economist, financiers. That's my next. Financiers. I love that. <laughs> uh, unfortunate. Uh, humor is not my strong suit. Good thing I have numbers to fall back on. But but um, they have to be good storytellers, mm-hmm. right? More than anything. Um, if I wasn't a good storyteller, I couldn't convince people of why I believe what I believe in in economic and macro trends. Um, and on Clubhouse, my main job, even though I'm a f- portfolio manager and financial manager, I'm there to support who, who the person who's my CEO, Nelson. Yep. Um, and, you know, bringing data, making arguments to why we as a fund or as a group believe what we believe. Mm-hmm. And something I always want to do is I don't want you to come to me because I'm an expert. Forget that I'm an expert. Right. Imagine I'm the least knowledgeable person in the world. But what I bring is something provable, observable, and reiterated by people who are respected in the field. Mm. So it doesn't matter who I am. I'm bringing you something that you yourself can reference. Not like, you know, when there are debates on vaccines this or vaccines that, people say, oh, this expert, this expert. I'm not talking about just one expert. It's kind of a general consensus because that's how things work. Um, in, in economics, you know, there's always going to be disagreements, but you want to have some sound logic as to why you believe what you believe instead of, you know, some people can feel strongly about things going a certain way, but that's not enough. You want to really show, tell a story, really tell a story as to why you believe what you believe. And that's what I think maybe I'm best at. I hope. Oh, well, I mean, I could tell, but 100% you are. And I think that also, I mean, another thing that you could say is that you not just the proof, but you bring receipts. <laughs> right, <laughs> like, right. I know. try to, yes. Yes. And I think my, so my next question for you now is, you kind of answered a little bit of it, but if somebody is trying to get into the, this field, right? Yeah. What are like the top, not tips, but I guess like things that they should be aware of that sure. you weren't at the time? Well. Yeah, I mean, becoming someone who, I don't want to call myself an expert in economics. I guess technically I am by my degree standards. Um, but to, on the road to becoming an expert in economics or even finance is a road where you are humbled often. Mm-hmm. Um, you'll learn what you think you know is wrong. Um, so you start at a certain point. So you, you, know, you might get your degree in economics. And if you did well in school, then you'll start noticing it then. But something I've learned is a lot of preconceptions that I have about how the world works is not at all. Like when people say the Fed prints money, for instance, Mm -hmm. it's not that simple. The Fed cannot just print $100 and give it to you and you you run away with it. Right. That would not be something that could happen. 
No. It's a lot more complicated. So things like that, like when you understand how money works, financial theory, economic theory, a lot of the the popular conceptions or misconceptions are just that, you know, and and it becomes frustrating. So that's maybe I, I think I forgot your question at this point. What was the question? No, my my question. You know, you're 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 in there. Um, my yeah. question was basically for those people that want to get into your field. What is like a top tip that you can give them? Right. So be, you- yeah. Be ready to be wrong mm, more often okay. than not, really, because that's what I've come to learn. I mean, there are so many things I grew up with, you know, old, uh, do they call them wives' tales? Like things we yeah. re- hear, like, oh, you know, or, or invest, uh, put your money in savings. That's how you get rich. For instance, mathematically, that doesn't make sense. Savings will not make you rich mathematically, just not because I feel that it's not a good idea, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, that's one. That's my number one tip. Number two is practice math. I mean, math, I've gone from being really, really good at it to terrible at it during like my marketing days um, because I thought I didn't need it to right. having to relearn math because it's a muscle. You know, it's boring to say. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, those research studies that say, like, if you tell people you're good at math, they'll be better at math. Um, and I say that because it's because they start practicing it more. So a lot of times men are, or boys are told they're better at math. So boys want to do math more because like I'm good at this. It's not just that they're good at math. Everybody's capable of being good at math. Everyone. I, I don't believe like the people that say, oh, I'm just bad at math. No, you just don't practice math or you don't believe in yourself. Right. We're all human. Our brain is designed for this. Um, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe there are people out there who can be like, I have tried and I failed. But so math being wrong. And kind of staying away from the hype. Hype mm-hmm. really drags down um, rational thinking. And to be an economist, I think you have to be the most rational one in the room. And it's hard. I'm emotional. I'm as emotional as they come. But to, to ground myself in reason and ration, rationale is, is kind of what saves me. Um, and, you know, those, I think those are the three things I would say you need to check off. But then you know, being open to reading a lot. And, and that's true of every field, I think. A hundred percent. Yep. You know, and the other thing is being a good researcher and learning how to read research studies. So not like a scientist would, where you're analyzing the methodology to the, to the last decimal, but learning that the abstract doesn't tell you the whole story. You do need to know how they did their testing. Was their sample significant was the what's what's their what the population they're looking at these are things that are also a skill and you can't Mm -hmm. just not be good at reading research so i don't know it's these are all things that are a little difficult i think um but necessary and boring super boring things but i but i think that i it's you say it's boring but i think for somebody that wants to get in your field they don't see it as boring i hope so I hope you know, so. I mean, right. I enjoy these things, right? But right. when I talk to my friends about it, um, they're always like, please, no, I don't care. If, <laughs> I don't care if the Fed is going to raise rates by 25% or 25 <laughs> basis points because um, X, Y, and Z. And I'll be like, okay, but guys, this is important. Let me tell you how it, why it matters. Let me show you this research that I found. Right. Please don't. Like, <laughs> let me just play Settlers of Catan right now. <laughs> like, no, but I really that think that... <laughs> 
No, but I really think that if somebody wants to get into your field 100%, that they would find that enjoyable. I hope so. They'd align with those people that are, you know, similar to you that like, you know, that you guys can feed off each other, you know? Um, I guess my next question for you is with like the success that you've had thus far, like one, what's next? Right. And two, what would be that legacy that you would want to leave? Yeah. Um, what's next is I'm finally in a job that I feel takes advantage of everything I'm good at. Hmm. I'm good at talking. So not the clubhouse element. I'm saying talking to investors and helping them understand their investment and kind of, you know, bringing them in and make them feel comfortable. Mm -hmm. That's really the main job I have is to make investors feel comfortable with their investment. Cause it's scary to give up a good amount of money, even if you're wealthy. I mean, you know, the, yeah. Rich people have feelings too, despite <laughs> despite the narrative. <laughs> yeah, so um, um, you know, so I also get to forecast and make recommendations to, uh, you know, a millions of dollars fund. Um, I get to make people money. Um, and hopefully myself, I want to be able to kind of, use what I know to build the most strategic fund and investment vehicle based on the times. Like right now we're in a relatively high interest rate environment. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm saying this on May 2nd. I don't know if you want the date of the recording being stated. (laughs) No, you can. Um, can. But you know, I don't want someone to say, Oh, he said high rates. And you, you know, this is released in September, whatever. Um, So today, you know, the fed is meeting and it's stressful and, Mm -hmm. The markets this morning started in a way where I was like, is this it? Is this it? But it leveled off and I, I could breathe. I even I even texted Nelson. I said, man, I need to talk to you. We need to be ready for what today could be. Mm-hmm. Because it, it just takes one bit of panic to spiral. Mm-hmm. But it leveled off. I don't know what I didn't track today. It was a busy day, but uh, I'll kind of do the, um, what do you call it when you, the doctor gives you prognosis. I'll prognosis. check. I'll check out the prognosis yep. of the day <laughs> later. Um, but yeah. Um, so anyway, you get to understand these things and make the fun that's the most perfect for this environment. Mm-hmm. And you know, in the future, in a two, three, four years, we might be in a low interest rate environment. The dollar could be a little bit weaker than it is right now, and and China might be on the decline because of the issues they're having. Whatever. Whatever's happened, I have no idea if right. China's going to be on the decline, but make adjustments based on that. And so, you know, when I got my degree, my master's, I loved the idea of valuation. So I can value things, um, anything really. That's what they trained me to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and being able to value investments. So that's all part of where my skill set fits talking to people, making them comfortable about investing, creating some, an investment vehicle that's, that's strategic. And flexible, I should use the word agile for the times. And so we can adapt as we move forward. Um, And lastly, I mean, where I want to end up is kind of, you know, running funds. I, you know, I I joke with Nelson. I'm like, I need a piece of this, you know, because this is where I want to be. But, you know, if maybe one day I'll move on and start my own thing, um, or maybe I'll stick around with Nelson, who knows? Again, I I talk about Nelson like he's familiar because he's familiar to both of us. Right, exactly. Um, yeah. and, but I, but I know that, I mean, you're, you're, you're sticking around the right guy for sure. 
Yeah, right, I've, so. I've only heard good things, you know, yes. but he's he's cutthroat. You know, it's uh, yes. Yes. let's just say he's not easy to work for in the sense that he demands a lot out of you, which is fine. Right. I don't mind that. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I'm running on, low on sleep. so <laughs> <laughs> I could imagine. I could, I'm, I could, I'm online every night on Clubhouse, <laughs> and, know. you know, it's supporting Nelson. And then I have to be in the office, by the way. He, <laughs> he talks about how great it is to work from home statistically. But then he has us going into the office and we're just like, all right. Because <laughs> he wants to be that traditional like leader kind of, I don't know if he wants to be like Elon Musk, but that kind of aura. Right. Um, where he's like the boss and he's, but he wants to see you so he can do that. And, you know, a lot of these Which is a, names like Zuckerberg and right. Diamond and whatever. Which is understandable because you want to see the people that you work, you, you know, that's working for you and, and doing, yeah. doing the thing. But so I know that, so lastly, I know that my listeners are going to want to like reach out to you, connect with you. Sure. So definitely, you know, this is, this is my favorite part because I know you just did it. Yes. Um, <laughs> yes, I did. Um, just do it. Please, Go ahead. please share your socials yeah. and um, obviously anything that you got going on, especially the fund and the all fund. Yeah. I mean, that's all I have going on, unfortunately, right. exactly. <laughs> but, that's, but that's a huge thing. It's not nothing. Absolutely. No, we're raising funds, but let me tell you a, a quick anecdote about my socials. I went fully off social media <laughs> just before the start of the pandemic. And it was honestly so nice. Um, but I made, I was like, I, I listened to a, a lot of your podcasts and at the end you're like, Oh, if you want to follow me, you know, this is where you follow me. I'm like, no one's going to be able to follow me. I want to be followed. Uh, I went back to my toxic. I went. I went back to my toxic social media days. So I created an Instagram. I created with an, a Twitter where I'm tweeting there almost every day, but no one's reading it, so it's fine. I don't mind. It's like a personal diary. And then I have a LinkedIn, and I think that's everything I made. Yeah, I'm working on the next ones. I think I need to make a TikTok unless they get rid of it. Who knows? So my handle um, on. Instagram and Twitter. Oh, and Clubhouse apparently, right? Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm gonna <laughs> put all those. Media. I'm gonna put all those in the show I notes. Only made, I only made Clubhouse because of Nelson. Okay, so where to follow <laughs> me? Econ with Allah. So E C O N. Let me double check that because again, it's new and I have no idea. Um, so it is. Man, you have to cut a lot of this out. <laughs> no, no, no. I know. <laughs> I'm a mess. Okay, Econ with Allah. So E C O N W I T H A L A. So econ with Allah, A-L-A is how you spell my name. So that's on Instagram. And I'm pretty sure that's the same one on Twitter. And Twitter is right. Right. And uh, Clubhouse is just A-L-A dot Aladdin, like the Disney movie Mm -hmm. uh, for Clubhouse. Pretty sure that one's it, too. Because, again, I really don't remember my handles. Yeah, it's Allah dot Aladdin. At Clubhouse, so well, you guys, I'm gonna there put everything in the show notes. So you could just literally click yeah, on please. it, and ch- let's briefly talk about yes. the fun. Yeah, I yeah, know yeah. That, you know, the I'm sure the listeners are gonna want to like connect with. Okay, you on okay, that level yeah. Too. This is actually really cool. I, I like. I'm getting everyone I know involved in this fund, especially yep. like my family, mm-hmm. because I'm like obsessed with this fund only because it is such a like it's a good deal. Because what is what we're doing as a team is. So it's a real estate fund, right? Um, this is like the, the quickest version I can give you. Today, I gave a presentation. It's like an hour and a half. So <laughs> you have to understand how quick I have to do this. Right. But it's, a, it's a real estate-based fund. 90% of it is based on real assets that you can touch and feel. You can even 
when you invest, you will know exactly every address. Um, so you can touch and feel 90% of it. 10% of it uh, takes advantage of foreign exchange volatility. So it doesn't matter if things are going up or down for the dollar or whatever. We make money if things are going haywire. Mm-hmm. So the reason this fund is situated for the situation we're in is because we make money from lending out real estate loans, like three to 12 month real estate loans uh, for people who like fix and flip. That's the yeah. term for it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we do uh, ground up development. Uh, that's what Nelson's really good at. Mm-hmm. Um, that's 60% of the fund. And then 10% of the fund is foreign exchange trading. We're partnering up with someone who does not who it's a company and they have a track record of returning at least 4% every month. It's kind of amazing. It blew my mind. I spent like 30, 40 hours <laughs> digging through every detail because I couldn't believe it. Right. I mean, that happens, but I never heard of these people. How can they do it? But they do it and they're quiet about it. And this was recommended by, you know, probably shouldn't, it's fine. Cindy Stumpo. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you can cut that out. I don't know. No, 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 you can't. We love Cindy. We love okay. Cindy. Okay. Okay. You guys all know about Cindy. Awesome. Yes. Um, so yeah, Cindy Stumpo uh, recommended this fund to Nelson, and he says this on Clubhouse all the time. Mm-hmm. So um, that's that's the high level overview or the business plan. And then if you invest, you should expect to double your money in about four to five years. Um, that's the simple way to tell you about your returns. Mm-hmm. Most of that will come in year two and three, um, and the internal rate of return is like forty percent, super quick. Um, the minimum investment is a hundred thousand dollars and you have to be accredited. That's the hardest part of this. Yep. You have to be an accredited investor or be a sub fund manager and bring in your own accredited investors, but no, not $1 that is from a unaccredited investor can go into the fund, but you can make money if you bring accredited investors with you and you become a sub fund manager, which a whole uh, another can of worms. Tried to rush through that, but no, that's it. No, no, no. What I was going to say is if you guys want any more details, definitely reach out to Allah because I've yes. been in the rooms where they've explained this, Nelson and Allah, and it's an, it's an incredible investment. And I, I mean, I fully believe in them and the team and they have some incredible people aligning with yes. them. So it's the real deal. So if you guys do want to, you know, get to know more information, reach out to Allah, but Allah, I really appreciate you just taking the time yeah. and chatting with me. Truly, it was so much fun. I mean, you know, it went by so fast. Actually, I can't <laughs> believe it. It's almost been a half, it's a half hour almost. Yep. Uh huh. Uh huh. But yeah, um, it's crazy. I appreciate you. I mean, I've been excited about this since we met. That's how yeah. I have social media now. You are the reason I have social media. Well, so. <laughs> I am. I am truly honored. And guys, yeah. listen, connect with him and Allah. Truly, I appreciate you. And guys, yeah. if you love this episode, show us some love on social yes. media. <laughs> and we'll show you some love back, but yes. truly, I appreciate you. Guys, I'm super excited to announce that I just launched an online clothing boutique called Bella Mel Boutique in honor of my sister who passed away from cancer. The clothing in there right now is incredible. The wholesalers that I'm, that I'm going to have in there, I'm being very strategic. Um, they're going to be very special, near and dear to my heart as well. So please check out the website, bellamelboutique.com and check the Instagram page, Bellamel Boutique. And I can't wait for you guys to see it.